Welcome to the Hospital Finance Podcast, your go-to source for information and insights that can help you stay ahead of the challenges impacting healthcare finance. And now, the host of the Hospital Finance Podcast, Michael Passanate. Hi, this is Mike Passanate, and welcome back to the Hospital Finance Podcast. As it happens yearly, the IPPS proposed rule is now out for 2020. And to help us understand the changes that are being proposed in that rule, I'm joined by Laura Legg, who is the Director of Revenue Integrity Solutions here at Bessler. Laura, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Mike. I'm happy to be here. So, Laura, why don't you start out by updating us on the publication of the 2020 proposed rule and how long the comment period is. Yes, Mike. Well, the 2020 um, IPPS proposed rule was released by CMS on April 23rd, 2019. There are significant changes to the PPS rules as well as changes to ICD-10. I did research those changes and have some comments for you um, today. Uh, it is a long rule. It's, um, I believe, just over 1,800 pages. But um, CMS is requesting comments regarding the proposed rule, and those comments are due by June 24th, uh, 2019. Now, if you go into the uh, proposed rule, you can see a lot of the reasoning that CMS has used for the changes. And if you're interested, that is a, a good review for things that might pertain to you particularly. It's a long read to try to envelop the whole thing. But CMS is taking comments. And in order to give comments, Mike, you have to reference CMS-1716-P, as well as um, you can upload your comments to www.regulations.gov or you can mail them to the Centers for uh, Medicare and Medicaid. Just go to their website and they give you instructions. Perfect. Laura, let's dive into the implications of the proposed rule. From a payment standpoint, what can acute care facilities expect to see? Well, Mike, in summary, there's a lot of rule changes for finance folks. Um, and those include the wage index calculations. There are big gains for rural hospitals and significant cuts for high-wage index hospitals. There are also changes to the new technology payments. They're up 65% of cost from the previous 50% of cost. There are new quality measures, uh, new requirements for long-term care, uh, acute care hospitals to get their special payment rates, and there are a number of DRG reassignments. So these are all payment changes and not utilization changes. Uh, the final payment change proposed by all of the changes together is a positive 3.5% for acute care hospitals. Great. Anything to the positive is always welcome. Laura, can you address some of the CMS priorities brought forth in the proposed rule? I can. We were promised by CMS that there would be historic changes this year, and, and I think that they did keep that promise. Um, and one of their promises was around rethinking rural health. Um, it's a theme recently unveiled by CMS, and they were true to their word in the 2020 IPPS proposed rule. The CMS administrator, uh, Seema Verma, said in a statement, one in five Americans are living in rural areas, and the hospitals that serve them are the backbone of our nation's healthcare system. And as you know, Mike, we do see regularly in some of the industry publications about smaller hospitals closing. So I do think CMS has concerns about that. 
And really it's important to understand some of the obstacles that rural America faces in the current healthcare system. And so CMS is really committing to address those issues. And some of those issues that she talked about were poverty, uh, more chronic conditions, and a high uninsured and underinsured population. So this has led to Medicare making some payment changes to stabilize those rural hospitals. One of those changes is the inpatient hospital wage index, which specifies how inpatient payment rates are adjusted to account for local differences in wages that hospitals pay in respective labor markets. The proposed changes are intended to measure differences in hospital wage rates across geographic regions and will update annually based on wage uh, data reported by hospitals. Now, my hospital is located in areas with wages less than the national average, receive a lower Medicare payment rate than hospitals located in areas where wages are higher than the national average. An example of that, if you have a hospital in a rural community, might receive a Medicare payment for about $4,000 for treating a beneficiary admitted with pneumonia, while a hospital in a high-wage area could receive Medicare payment of nearly $6,000 for the same case due to their wage index differences. So in response to feedback it received in former comments, CMS is proposing to increase the wage index for low index wage index hospitals. This change will ensure that people living in rural areas have access to high quality, affordable health care. Another subject that's in the spotlight might is technology. To ensure that Medicare payment supports broad access to transformative technology, CMS is proposing several payment policies. These include proposing to change the new technology add-on payments, which provides hospitals with additional payment for cases with high costs involving new technology, including potential new antimicrobial therapies. This increase will apply to all technologies receiving add-on payments starting October 1, 2019. That means that when a physician determines a Medicare beneficiary needs a qualifying new therapy, the hospital at which the therapy is administrated would be more able to completely cover its costs. So this change will promote patient access and reduce the uncertainties that innovators face regarding payment for new medical technologies for Medicare beneficiaries. So this is really important, Mike. Uh, to keep medical beneficiaries receiving the same level of technology care as other patients. Uh, CMS also is proposing to modernize payment policies for medical devices that meet the Food and Drug Administration's Breakthrough Devices designation. So CMS is proposing to waive for two years the requirement for evidence that these devices represent a substantial clinical improvement. Waiving this requirement would provide additional Medicare payment for these technologies over a period of time while real-world evidence is emerging. So Medicare beneficiaries will not have to wait to have access to the latest innovations. So these are, are I think, really good improvements, Mike. Um, one thing important to note that kind of surprised me was there are no proposed changes to observation status, patient notifications, or the two midnight rule. Great breakdown, Laura. Laura, are there, uh, for the MSDRG changes and coding updates, uh, do the changes appear to be substantial? Well, Mike, as a coder, I'm, I'm surprised at some of the changes. 
uh, there are some good changes, but I guess the most important thing to note is there are many changes. The proposed rule includes changes to complications and comorbidities and major complication comorbidities of nearly 1,500 diagnoses. So this is really a historic change for the coding world. Um, coders will be really required to forget everything they know about CCs and MCCs and, and basically start over. So there's going to be a learning curve to these coding changes, Mike. The CDC, along with CMS, has proposed a net total of 252 diagnosis codes and some new procedure codes also. Important to note is CMS has requested the elimination of a set of more than 1,600 procedure codes. So that was a little bit surprising. So we're starting to see ICD-10 procedure coding system kind of level out a little bit. Um, they are bringing down the number of codes and eliminating uh, some of the uh, redundancy in the system. So that's a good thing for coders. Uh, the new diagnosis codes can be found at Table 6A and include code changes in 10 out of the 21 ICD-10 chapters. So that's pretty substantial. The new procedure codes can be found in Table 6B at the website with a proposed rule, and they are extensive, as I said, more than 1,600 procedure codes being eliminated. Um, these are from um, a number of different sections in the procedure coding system, Mike. Uh, of course, the MedSurg surgical section within the largest, um, the administrative section, measuring monitoring section, and as well as the new technology section. And the new technology section is uh, a place that providers really want to pay attention to because CMS is uh, doing some substantial reimbursements for those particular codes. One of the most substantial proposals in the change is in the classification of severity designations for diagnosis codes. And by that, what I mean, Mike, is that some of the diagnosis codes are losing their major complication comorbidity status, and some codes will be gaining that status. The same is also true for the CC or the complication comorbidity status of some codes. Many diagnosis codes will no longer have either an MCC or CC designation, and that will have a profound financial impact in the DRG world. The good news is that a total of 183 new CC changes have been proposed. So that will help make up ground for some of that. Uh, this includes making the code for homelessness a CC or complication comorbidity, which really is projected to bring considerable dollars into some hospitals. Severity shifts um, are in the areas of neoplasm, um, circulatory system codes, skin and subcutaneous tissue, injury and poisoning, and also in factors influencing healthcare status codes. Many active neoplasm codes are moving from CC to non-CC status. So that's something I think we're going to see comments about back to Medicare. Acute myocardial infarction codes are moving from MCC to CC status. And surprisingly, the pressure ulcer codes um, have many changes going from MCC to CC status, which I think we'll all see, see comments about because of the extra resources that it is required to care for pressure ulcers. There's also a shift, Mike, from OR to non-OR designation for the proposed PCS codes. So that's a big change. And Mike, finally, there are 13 MSDRG changes that have been proposed.
But all in all, when it comes right down to it, the coding and documentation change are proposed to be a positive 0.5% for acute care hospitals. Laura, what should our listeners be doing now to prepare for the publication of the final rule? Well, my thoughts as I reviewed the rule, Mike, I've put into about five steps or six steps that I think hospitals uh, can do before the proposed rule. And the first one is keeping in mind that the rule is only proposed this time, and you're still available to respond and comment before June 24, uh, 2019. So I really would encourage hospitals to look over these rules, look over the coding changes, and respond. I was recently speaking at the uh, Washington uh, HIM meeting here in the state of Washington where I live, and I really, as I presented some of these new um, proposed changes, I really encouraged my audience to comment, and, and some people were, were concerned about uh, the financial changes but six steps that you can do, Mike, um, for strategies include really having your finance group at your hospital review the changes and model their expected impact to your facility. Uh, it's good to be prepared for that. Number two, Mike, was review the new technology add-on changes and determine any of the new applications will impact you. And then ensure that these technologies are in your charge master. As I said earlier today in the podcast, Mike, these technologies really do have a pretty high payment for a facility. So you want to be sure that you're not missing any of those. Number three, I would recommend reviewing the DRG encoding changes and determining if any of the coding or CDI education is needed. And this is going to be an absolute yes for everybody. Mike, with this many changes, coders are just going to have to relearn those um, CCs, MCCs. Number four, um, educate physicians and CD staff, CDI staff on changes in the severity statuses because there are so many and really start to ask the questions how that's going to affect documentation to capture those additional 183 CC designations. Number five, Mike, was update facility coding guidelines and policies and procedures that provide direction for coders on the affected ICD codes and chapters. So really providing your coders with instruction, uh, mainly in those gray areas regarding these changes. And last but not least, uh, Mike, what I think is really important is arrange for the performance of both internal and external encoding audits to ensure the new procedure diagnosis and codes are used correctly. Uh, we don't want our ICD-10 accuracy to drop. And especially, make sure that your coders are capturing those additional 183 CCs so that your revenue can be positively impacted by that. Laura, thank you for the summary today. Of course, we'll be talking about these proposed rules on the podcast in the, in the months to come and leading up to the final rule being issued. And of course, you can look forward to our yearly summary of the final rule when that is available. Laura, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. You're welcome, Mike. My pleasure. This concludes today's episode of the Hospital Finance Podcast. For show notes and additional resources to help you protect and enhance revenue at your hospital, visit Bessler.com forward slash podcasts. The Hospital Finance Podcast is a production of Bessler. Smart about revenue, tenacious about results.